Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Football Social Daily. With German Doner Kebab. Now 40 restaurants across the UK. Find out where at GermanDonerKebab.com. Hello and welcome to the Football Social Daily Premier League Weekend Preview Show. And with most of the great and good from the English top flight still stepping off planes and readjusting to whatever storm we're currently living through, we've got another reduced weekend of games with just four matches to chew over in the next 48 hours. But despite this lack of action, there's still plenty of talking points to get through and we'll be looking at Aston Villa's crucial clash with Tottenham, on-form Southampton at home to Burnley, Arteta's Arsenal against Newcastle and top v bottom as Liverpool go to Norwich. Now, as always, we've got a crack team here at Football Social Daily to get through all of that. My name's Fergal Brennan, and I'm joined in the studio by Sam Lee, Manchester City correspondent for The Athletic. Sam, how are we? Hello, very well, thanks. Good stuff. We've got Tyro Marshall, senior football writer for the Manchester Evening News. Hello, how are we doing? Very well. And Pete Hall, freelancer for many a reputable publication. Pete, how are we? Very good, thank you. Great stuff, great stuff. Right, first game we're going to go with is, is Aston Villa against Tottenham. Now, Obviously, when you look at a four-game weekend, sometimes you're kind of grappling around for exciting talking points, but this has genuinely got something about it that a positive result either way could see a real burst for either team. Aston Villa driving themselves away from relegation and Tottenham starting to put a bit of pressure on the top four. So we'll start with Villa, home side, tie. Form is not great. Uh, they're just a point outside the bottom three. As I say, they're still in that conversation to potentially get sucked into it. And just one Premier League win in the last four games. Since the turn of the year, have you been impressed with them? Do you think, they're, are they worrying you in terms of their recent form? Uh, uh, they're worrying me a little bit. Um, I have been impressed them. I've been impressed them for most of the season and last season since uh, since Dean Smith took over. And I think this is a trend at the bottom of the Premier League at the moment. And more so with teams coming up. That teams are coming up that play good open, attractive football and it's it's making for better games in, in the Premier League and, and Villa fall into that. They play a nice brand of football, they're easy on the eye, they're a team that you'd be, be happy to watch. You're not you're not seeing Villa on a TV and thinking, Oh, I'm not sitting through that. You know, they're they're good to watch. They've got good entertaining players. But the thing with them and the thing with Norwich is that 
to play that way in the Premier League is is high risk. And fair play to them for giving it a go, and I hope they stay up with it, but they're probably going to lose more games than they win by, by playing that way and being open. And Smith, he kind of plays almost this Man City hybrid formation with those often two number eights and attacking midfielders and, and really goes for games, but you're going to get punished at times as well. So it is high risk, but I do hope they stay up because I have been impressed with them and I enjoy watching them. And Jack Grealish, I think they've got a, an exceptional player. Well, Grealish is obviously going to be the talk of the town for this game, probably for both sets of fans. Massive links with Tottenham at the start of the season. Obviously, Manchester United have been another side that's been talked about as a potential destination for him in the summer. But the Tottenham links have been a lot more long-standing. He was linked with Tottenham when Aston Villa was still a championship club. Mm. And then obviously, during the summer, there was obviously speculation about would he, would he stay? Would he continue your kind of boyhood dream of getting into the Premier League and doing well with Aston Villa? Or would he make that move? Now, I think everyone's in agreement that if Aston Villa go down, we'd fully expect Grealish to go. But if Aston Villa were to stay up, Pete, do you think there's the potential for keeping him? Do you think it could be repackaged to him as we're settled in the Premier League now and you're still our man to lead us? There's two sides to this in the fact that if Grealish is in the form that he, he's in now and he's attracting all these suitors and whether that's Man United, Man City, Tottenham or even a, a, a European club, then his stock's at its highest. So you to capitalize on that um otherwise if you lose form in you know in a season you, your chance is gone so you, you think of maybe Jamie Vardy on that chance he could have moved to Arsenal and then he, he elected to stay and yes it's gone you still gone really well for him but there are sometimes only that one opportunity to get that transfer and, and but then on the flip side of that if he keeps Villa in the Premier and if Villa are going to stay in the Premier League it's going to be pretty much down to Jack Grealish the way it's going at the moment he's captain of his boyhood club and you can see that what it means to him in the way he plays and um, like in the in League Cup for, in the League Cup semi final, for example, Villa were getting absolutely battered by Leicester, Leicester left, right, and centre, both legs. But they just needed someone to to pick them up, and it just Grealish out of nowhere created chances, uh, got them the equaliser, and then spurred his team on to win. And if you're captain of your local team, you've got always grown up wanting to be captain of. Why would you, why would you leave just now? I mean, there are there are there are two sides to it. It's kind of win win for Grealish in a way. Sam, obviously he's massively been talked up this season, his performances, he's quite expected to go with England to the Euros in the summer and, and he backs it up with numbers, seven goals and five assists from midfield this season and really crucial interventions, particularly since the turn of the year, scored the winner against Burnley on New Year's Day, equaliser against Brighton a couple of weeks ago, both away from home against rival teams, you've got your captain scoring them sort of goals, is, is Pete right in that if it isn't for Grealish, they're done and also can he keep turning in them performances that'll that'll save them ultimately? First question, yeah, probably. Oh, yeah, because I mean, yeah, they, they've come into the league, they're playing nice enough football. They've got seven wins, which we were talking about Sheffield United last week, at that point only having nine. I mean, you were surprised that Sheffield United are so far up the table only having nine wins. Um, yeah, Villa got seven. It just, and it always seems like Villa never win. It just, yeah. it just passes me by. It's like, how have mm. they got this many points? How are they still outside the relegation zone? Um, but yeah, he is obviously very often the difference maker. And I think if it wasn't for him, that said, they've been without McGinn for a while and he's still a couple of weeks off coming back. So that's maybe a bit harsh. And if they did have him, maybe they'd be a bit clearer of it. But the season being as it is, yeah, I think without him, they'd, they'd be struggling a bit more. Can he keep it up? I don't see why not. I don't, I don't think mm. he's a flash in the pan. No, no, um, no, not at all. I think he's a, yeah, I think obviously a really good player, a really important player. Um, integral to everything they do even when they're not especially playing well um, I don't 
basically I don't see any reason why it would dry up to be honest the th- this, I was going to say the thing about him is that like at the start of the season there was very much the, the, like United for example were looking at if they want that creative midfielder it was it was James Madison or Jack Grealish and then everyone was going towards James Madison at the start of the season but Grealish is actually as Madison has sort of fallen away a little bit to, you know up till now especially in the turn of the year he's only got one assist since the end of October Jack Grealish has just gone from strength to strength. As the season's gone on, he's got better and better. And he's created more than double the amount of chances of any of his teammates. And he's by far England's most productive midfielder uh, in terms of goals scored and, and chances created and assists. So to be doing that, a team fighting relegation is, is mightily impressive. I what? think he's I think he's got the, the character as well to, to keep it up. He is the captain of that team. He clearly takes responsibility on his shoulders. We saw last season how he reacted in that game at Birmingham City when he got clobbered by the fan and then went on to score the winning goal and that was amazing yeah, when it was absolutely the winner the first one was genuinely in a derby when he's a Birmingham lad his interview yeah, afterwards was great wasn't it yeah, like, it you was. can see it in his face yeah and you can see he, he relishes that responsibility mm. he's, he's a leader and he's you know, I, I mean I, I think he's a better all round player than James Madison I think the way he's led that side and responsibility showing this season mark him out as having something extra beyond just the technical skills mm. and I mean I think it's a great story that he's a big Villa fan. He's captain in the team in the Premier League and he's doing so well. But it feels to me like he's kind of served his time there now without wishing to make it sound like a jail sentence. I'm sure there's worse places <laughs> to play football. But, you know, he, he's, he's stuck with Villa in the championship. He did the honourable thing. He would leave, you know, I think he'd leave a legend at that club, really. And I think it, it feels like the time is right. For, he, he deserves a better stage to be playing on. So you'd go with the idea that regardless of what happens with Villa, Jack Grealish has gone in the summer. Yep. Pete, go on. Nail your colours to the mass. I know you're saying there's two sides to this, but if Villa go, if Villa, sorry, if Villa stay up, does he leave? If Villa stay up, I'd be more inclined. A, I, you would expect a big offer, fifty million. I'd expect million a big plus. offer. Um, it depends who it's from. Like, if if it's from United, for example, um, do, would I really? Is that the big move that I'd want? A team that are very much in transition at best. So would I want that move? Maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe have an even better season next year, and then I don't know. You can move anywhere you want. You can have your pick of the a pick of the bunch and see where you can take Villa. Uh, you don't know what. I mean, if they if they do stay up, and then Dean Smith has these grand plans, and they have like money to spend, like they did last season in the summer, then you never know. If I'm captain of my local team that I've always dreamed of playing for, and you stay, I'd stay unless I got an amazing offer from an amazing team that I had a chance of winning the Champions League. All right, Sam, you got the deciding vote huh. on Jack Grealish's future. Yeah. Villa sorry, stay sorry, up. Sorry, Jack, if you wanted to stay, but it turns <laughs> out you're leaving, mate. <laughs> there you go. That's Jack Grealish's future decided. Uh, one person's future involved in this game that's possibly uh, up for discussion is, is Jose Mourinho, despite the fact that he's signed a four-year contract mm. at Tottenham when he came in. But Pete loves talking about this. I love talking about this as well. Mm. They're yet to really take off. Uh, two wins in the last five Premier League games. They're still not quite getting into the top four they're still five points away from fourth place ahead of this game what's what's gone on really like the big narrative when Kane got injured was don't worry Mora's here Song Hyung Min's here they'll get the goals Kane will come back before the end of the season you know and, and Spurs will be okay that hasn't happened Son scored twice Steven Bergvine's come in he's scored there's one for Ali nothing for Mora there's, there's no other goals coming from other parts of the team and Mourinho has done what he always does, which he's kind of dug his heels in and gone, no, I know best. Do, do you see that just being the feature until the end of the season? 
they've actually improved a little bit recently. Like so, you praising Jose. Yeah, Mourinho. well, well, I don't know how much of that is down to Mourinho. In terms of <laughs> results, they've improved. But what I mean, you look on paper that that win over City looks looks amazing, doesn't it? But that, the result really doesn't tell the tale of that game. They got absolutely mullered from all angles, um, and in any other season it, that would have finished four four nil five nil. Um, and it just it just was one of those Jose Mourinho ridiculous days, um, and Kane's loss hasn't been as bad as 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 Jose has made out as well. They've only lost once while he's been injured. Um, Son Son has scored, you know I think he's got four four goals in four in all comps. But I think Lucas Moura is the one that's been the, the disappointment this season. Um, and I, I spoke to a, a Tottenham colleague, a Tottenham fan colleague of mine, and he was saying that. Aside from his, you know, famous goal that he scored last season, he hasn't really con- contributed a lot since he's joined. Uh, he, he's he's shown flashes of what he can do, but when your your squad isn't up up to it, and you do lose a player like Kane, and you've only got a couple of players to rely on, if one doesn't fire, then it's it's really difficult. And Lucas Moura really isn't doing it at the moment for Spurs, and um, he's been the biggest disappointment, I think. But Think things are starting to look up a bit. They are better defensively. Uh, they have a better recent uh, defensive record because we all know earlier on in the season they, they got they had the lowest amount of clean sheets up until uh, Christmas in the Premier League. So things have improved a little bit, um, but there's still a lot of work to do. Sam, given the fact that he he likes this narrative of Kane's injured, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? Yes, they brought in Steven Bergman, and he and he does look quite good based on his early showings. He performed quite well against City. Is this going to come back to bite Mourinho in terms of where Spurs finished? The fact that he didn't look to address certain areas in January and the fact that by just invoking the blame game might not get him where he wants to be. Uh, um, I don't know. I mean, was, it, was it up to him not to get anyone in January? Um, Do you think the door was just closed for Kane's by Daniel always Levy? been difficult. Well, yeah, January is January and it's, it's, it's like, it sounds like a cliche, but it is really hard to buy good players in January. Mm. Um there's not too many floating around. Um, like if they'd assigned Igalo for argument's sake, yeah. Like Igalo seems to have this Man United shine around him for whatever reason. Yeah. Against all logic, it's like, oh, well, United signed him; he must be all right. And, <laughs> yeah. and like, there's a bit of logic in it. But if he'd gone to Spurs, there'd have been riots, I reckon. Yeah. United fans <laughs> yeah. seem to be in this weird accepting mood at the moment, where it's yeah. like, okay, well, maybe it's, you know, it's better than nothing. Because yeah. he's a United fan, I think, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And he's, he's dreaming. Yeah, and he's about working really life, hard yeah. and all this kind yeah. of stuff. He's, he's like, good looks, the lad, and all that. But if he'd have gone to Spurs, it would have been a bit like this isn't what they need. Who like who who would they have got? And look, Premier League clubs, I'm sure they could use their scouts better and dig up the players that Dortmund and Lille and Porto and Benfica do, but they don't for yeah. whatever reason. So yeah, I, I mean it might not have been his decision. Even if it was, he might have gone, Well, these players aren't good enough and you know, I'm not don't always say Mourinho's decisions are great these days, but if that was the case then fair enough. Will it make an impact on the rest of their season? I suppose the most pertinent thing is Whenever Kane got injured under Pochettino, didn't they generally always yeah. look better. arguably better? They were on that amazing winning run, or didn't more they? more unpredictable. Con- con- and it was one of those things where it was like, you can't say they're better without Kane because they are great with Kane, but they're, they're still a really good side. Mm. But now, if he's banging that drum, it's a bit like, well, the old bloke was... Look, Pochettino went, there were reasons for that, and deservedly so. But there were ways to cope without Kane before. They look much more predictable, you know, without having a player as much of a central nine as that, you know, with Son or... Lucas or whoever it was dropping off, that it was just yeah, it looked it looked good. So 
it's, well, actually, yeah. it's actually a big game for Spurs this because there's still so much Villa to play are for. really up for it by the sounds of yeah. it yeah and, and but the Spurs if they could if they could put a few wins together because everyone else doesn't seem to want to put win back to back games <laughs> they can they can make top four theirs you know quite early on if they start to, if they put a run together and you know they're still in there's still cups to be won there's still I mean that's that's the, what Mourinho wants, isn't it? To you know, so he can hold it up and say Poch never did this. Yeah. Uh, as Pochettino takes over at Old Trafford, and it's there's so much still San to play. Gigalo for yeah, 50 million. Gigalo, yeah. <laughs> there's so much still to play for for Spurs this season, and it without really having to put an amazing run together, they could have a really really good season. The the big thing for Spurs is they've had no they've struggled to keep momentum under Mourinho, and I mean the narrative after that City game. Obviously, I've had the break since then. Was that this is this is the turning point? This is the biggest win for them, the biggest win in that stadium, arguably. This is where it all kick starts. But they were battered for sixty minutes, and then mm. they scored immediately once City went down to ten. It, that is not a sustainable strategy. No. I mean, personally, they were better at home against Liverpool than they were against City. It was a complete one-off of a game. And if you're saying that, yes, it was a big win and it might do well for confidence. But if you're saying that's a long-term strategy going forward, then I mean, no chance. It's not. I, I mean, that top four, to call it a race, feels unfair <laughs> to so many previous races. It's, it's a bit like a three-legged cool. race. Yeah, where, yeah, yeah, it yeah. is. It is. It's like something at sports day, isn't it? It's <laughs> just, you know, it's, it's an absolute crawl to the top four. And I'm just not sure Tottenham have got the consistency for it. And if we know, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if they went and got beat here, to be honest. It, they need to build on that City win. And whether it's a momentum turner just in the sense that We've beaten the champions. Mm. We, we've had this milestone win at our new stadium. Let's kick on from here. Then, then maybe. But in terms of performance, I wouldn't be holding <laughs> that up as the gold standard. No, no. Uh, right on that note, we'll go for a couple of predictions. Sam, uh, Jack Grealish inspired Aston Villa win, or Lucas Moura to, to ram all of our comments down our throats and and Tottenham get three <laughs> points. Where do you see this going? Ah, uh, I really, I really don't know. I'm, I'm going with Villa just on the narrative of. They do seem to be really up for it. It's not one of those games where the lower club is thinking, oh, it's a big game, we don't worry about this, we'll focus on Norwich next week or whatever. They're thinking, we'll go for this one. Um, yeah, so just on telly, Sunday, blah, blah, blah. Villa, just about. But there's no logic behind that whatsoever. Pete, would you follow that? I agree, yeah. I, I think um, whether Jack Grealish will have a say or not, I, more than likely if Villa are going to win. Um, but it, a very narrow defeat and... Uh, yeah, but it'll be it'll be raucous Villa Park on Sunday afternoon. Villa have had the bigger break as well with Tottenham's FA Cup replay. Played a strong team in that pretty tough game against Southampton. So with that in mind as well, and the fact that it's at Villa Park, I'm going to make it incredibly a hat trick. Wow. Wow, it's of, not going to happen, is it? <laughs> wow, upset victories. Yeah. I think that's a first of all three panellists agreeing with each other. And <laughs> do you know what? I think a lot of people will be listening to this and saying... Maybe, but never ever write off, off Mourinho. And particularly when you write him off, he tends to come mm. back and, and bite you in the backside. Uh, moving on to another game this weekend, Southampton at home to Burnley. Now, Southampton are in brilliant form and they're one of these teams that kind of seems to drop out of the conversation when we talk about pushes for Europe or pushes for the top four. They're actually in Champions League form. They're the fourth most in t- informed team in the league at the minute. Nine points in their last five games. So only City, Liverpool and Sheffield United who've, who've got more points of late. This is excellent from them. And, you know, obviously, everyone loves to hark back to the whooping they got off Leicester and how that shook things up. But this is more about, quietly, Harson Huttle's been building a consistent team with a system that works and players that benefit from, from the way that he's going about them. Pete, I'll go to you first on this. 
when you look at the reasons behind how they've managed to sustain this in the last six, eight weeks, where do you look for? And before you answer, I'm going to say straight away, I've got my Danny Ings bell out. So anytime anyone mentions Danny Ings without a good reason, I'm going to ring it because it's not all about Danny Ings. It is not all about Danny Ings. Um, they have developed this really high pressing game um, since that 9-0. And that's all down to Aston Hootland and fair play to him. Defensively, they have the fourth best defensive record in the Premier League since the 9-0 defeat, which is incredible. I mean, to lose at home by 9-0 and then to turn that around that much, to, have, to get that many points in that, in that run and to make your defence that solid after taking such a psychological hit is, is absolutely incredible and, and fair play to them. What, you know, if, if they carry on and, and, and have a good and finish quite high... House and Hootler has to go down as well as uh, in the running for the for the he won't win it obviously but for for the manager of the season because that's an incredible job to turn them around from from that nadir it's absolutely brilliant but the caveat to all this is that Southampton's home form is is awful like they have the, they've taken the lowest amount of points at home in in the Premier League this season which is quite surprising considering how many points they've got especially of late so they they still there's still you know work to be done but absolutely incredible turnaround I think the the basis of that has been how they've turned it around defensively. No mention of any strikers. Yeah, well, I'm not going to mention uh, Mr. Mr. Ings. I'm just going to call him Mr. Ings to, to dodge the bell myself. Like Pete says, this system is, is getting the best out of other players in that team. Shane Long, two goals in his last four games. Nathan Redmond, three assists in his last four. This style pushes defences right back. It allows Ings to have a bit of space to come in and score goals. But everyone else seems to be flourishing. And there's, there's a real selflessness about everybody in the team, everyone pulling in the right direction. And it's it's not just geared towards one player. Chances are popping up for other players. And you can see confidence flooding back through players that have really needed it. As I mentioned there, Long and Redmond are two great examples of they looked absolutely shorn of belief at the start of the season. And now we're talking about them as two of the most informed in the league. Yeah, and I mean, Hassan Hootl's, pre- Hootl's teams in his style has always been about the collective rather than sort of individual stars and that you, you build this system... And it just it clicks and it works every week and it's intense and it's non-stop and you're kind of seeing that start to happen now and, and you can see the progress Southampton have made. I know we don't want to hark back to it, but it is an incredible story the way they've turned it round from that nine nil. I mean, managers don't come back from losing nine nil at home and it's not like they lost nine nil at home to Liverpool or Man City. They mm. lost nine nil at home to Leicester. Mm. You know, with yeah. all due respect to Leicester, having a great season, but. Mm. They themselves don't score loads of goals. To lose 9-0 at home to Leicester and mm. not only survive that, and or the damage that does to the trust within the squad a lot of the time as well and damage it does to confidence to turn it round is a fantastic story. And, you know, he's a highly rated manager. He had this this nickname that he hates of the the Alpine Klopp or Klopp of the Alpines or whatever it was, which <laughs> is tedious, the Kloppine. Um <laughs> And you can kind of see the similarities and they're, an- they're another team that are good to watch. They play a yeah. good brand of football and if they're on telly, you'd be like, oh yeah, I'll, I'll give them a watch if it's a you know, a-, a decent prospect. If it was Southampton Villa on telly, you had nothing to do. You'd be like, oh, yeah, it'd be a good game. Two, yeah. two decent teams. So it's a fair play to them. And he-, he has got the best out of players. I mean, he's got Shane Long scoring goals. I mean, what more does the man need to do? <laughs> well, Absolutely uh, incredible. An- another, another one, is, and you mentioned him earlier, Fergal, is, is, is Nathan Redmond. Like... I've never, I've not seen a turnaround in a player like that for 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 ages. I mean, he he was sort of the perennial frustrator, wasn't he? In the fact that he always had the talent, and he was always this next, you know, this next big potentially this next big thing, and he never quite got there. But in the in the last three four months, he's looked like a a, a player reborn, and he, he clearly see 
he has some form of rapport with and Hassan Hüttel as well, and it's it's he he has come on leaps and bounds, and and his and his record speaks for himself. He talk about his his recent run of assists after going so long with with very very few assists. It's an incredible recent record. Okay, so from a manager who's not afraid of change to a manager that definitely is, and that's Sean Dyche with Burnley. Brilliant stat that I dug up uh, in preparation for the show was how predictable their starting lineup is. In the last four games, he's only changed one player. He's only made two subs in the last 400 minutes of Premier League action. If ever there was a manager that believed in his team, it's Sean Dyche and Burnley. He He's determined to stick with this. And Ty, I know you've covered Burnley in the past. Mm. He's confident that this is this is all he needs. Yep. He just needs this 11, maybe the odd change here and there, and that's enough to keep them up. Yeah, I mean, it, this comes as no surprise to me because this is the template. He makes very few changes. I think in the maybe the first Premier League season under Dyche, or, yeah, I think his first Premier League season under Dyche, he went something like eight or nine games playing the same 11. He, he's very committed to having his... Maybe he's not his strongest eleven, but the eleven that's working for him at that time goes every week, and and that's just the way he plays, and that's why it makes it so difficult for them to have fringe players and backup players. And we've seen the situation with Ben Gibson this week, the bizarre situation that he's seemingly been paid by Burnley and training with Middlesbrough when Burnley paid Middlesbrough fifteen million pounds for him. But if Ben May and James Tarkovsky start this game this weekend, they'll have started fifty successive Premier League games <laughs> together at centre back. Wow, which is absolutely incredible for one player wow. to start 50 yeah, in a row for wow. a partnership to start 50 in a row is remarkable and if you're Ben Gibson you're not going to get a look in are you unless one of them gets injured you're not going to get a look in that's why they have Kevin Long who works so well for them because Kevin Long is is not going to get any of any other Premier League club he might not get a championship club but he's pretty dependent he's a no-nonsense centre-back that works for Dyche and he's happy to to fill in when he gets the chance so it's just it's the Dyche template and it works for them it's no surprise that as soon as they look in trouble they pick up a, a couple of results but Pete, if you're not one of them players who's getting a start in place, um, Robbie Brady, Eric Peters, Joe Hart, and a lot of these players are out of contract in the summer. There's been a lot of chat about whether players will be offered, you know, a year extension if they're lucky. There's going to be a lot of of that group that are going to be looking at their futures and thinking, I've only got a few years left. I don't want to be sitting on the bench here at Turf Moor. As Ty said, Dyche clearly isn't going to play me because I'm not in that 11 to 13 players. You look at some of those players, they are going to be moving on this summer purely out of frustration that they just cannot get into the team. Yeah, um, and Dice is, uh, yes, he's got the 11 sorted and he, and he has done for a while and he's had this blueprint of the style of players that he wants. But they'll, they, they know that, they, they'll know that the, the players will be looking elsewhere if they're, not, if they're not getting games. So they'll already, they, Burnley are quite good in sort of the recruitment in terms of their. They plan ahead for these things, and they'll they'll know that these players are, are looking elsewhere if the contract's up, and they'll have these players lined up. These sort of you know, sort of twelve to ten to twelve million pounds sort of players who can come in and who who might improve things, but if they don't, it's they, they need to offer something because he's, he has a formula that's successful for for Burnley's level. Yeah, Ty uh, predictions. Inform Southampton to win, despite the fact as Pete said they've been pretty dreadful at home of late, mm. or Burnley. Organised, terrible away from Turf Moor, Burnley. Yeah. Where do you see this going? Uh, Southampton for me. Yeah, Pete. I, 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 th- I think Burnley might sneak it. They've, 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 they've improved a lot recently. They should have beaten Arsenal, um, beat Leicester, uh, won at Old Trafford. I, I, th- I think, uh, yeah, I think Burnley might sneak it. Sam, there's been a lot of pressure on you on the show so far. Jack yeah. Grealish's future yes. predictions. Uh, um, going to go to you for the deciding vote again. There is no deciding vote here. Draw. 
A draw. <laughs> okay, okay, that, that serves me right because I keep putting that on you. Okay, fair <laughs> enough. That's it for the first half of the Football Social Daily Premier League preview show. After the break, we'll be chatting about Newcastle's trip to Arsenal and top against bottom as Liverpool go to Norwich City. We'll see you in a minute. Football Social Daily with German Doner Kebab. Now 40 restaurants across the UK. Find out where at germandonerkebab.com. Sports Social. Hello and welcome back to the Football Social Daily Premier League preview show. Just a quick reminder, if you hit subscribe on this podcast, you'll get our daily Premier League podcast. There'll be a fresh episode for you every single day. Latest transfer news, club news, gossip and much, much more in between. Now, before the break, we talked about Villa against Tottenham and Southampton against Burnley. Two other games this weekend. We're going to start with Arsenal-Newcastle. Mikel Arteta, it hasn't really clicked into gear yet. The Arteta revolution, Arteta ball, whatever you want to call it. Still just one Premier League win since he came in. That was against Bournemouth. Pete, what has actually changed, if anything at all, really? Um, he's got the, defensively, they're working a lot better as a unit. Granite, Granite Xhaka looks like a, a man reborn under Arteta. Results-wise, it's not It's not been great. They've won one game in, in the league un, under Arteta. Um, they're really struggling for goals. Alex Lacazette hasn't scored a goal under Arteta since he, since he took over, which is incredible for a man of his talent. Aubameyang doesn't look, you know, he's had injury problems, suspensions and things, but they're, and, and the bigger players just aren't, aren't really doing it attack-wise anyway. We've got Mesut Ozil has one assist um, under Arteta. So, yes, they look more solid and he's, he's obviously doing something on the training ground to make them more organised because he, and he talked about that when he first took the job. That was a really important thing to make them um, more difficult to beat. Um, but offensively, they've suffered offensively as a result of that and, they're, they the football that they're playing is not what you would have thought Arteta would have been keen to instil into the team. Ty, based on what Pete was saying there, in how they've started and the certain players that you go, yeah, but yeah, but they could be doing more. Mm. They don't seem to really be buying into this. Do Arsenal fans have a bit of justification to be frustrated? We all knew that Arteta would be a bit of a long-term project before his method started mm. kicking in, but. Points on the board, it's still a worrying situation. They're not in the conversation for top four and it's going to be very, very difficult to even get Europa. It is, yeah. And I, I mean, I don't I don't get the sense that they are particularly frustrated. I still think there's a bit of a, he's not Unai Emery going on about this. I think they got so sick of Unai Emery and Arteta's obviously got a lot of credit in the bank at Arsenal that I still think he's he's on kind of an extended honeymoon period. Um, like I said, the, the record of just one win in the league is poor, but they've won six of 25 Premier League games this year. Arsenal have won six of 25 yeah. Premier League games. It's absolutely astonishing. Yeah. It's mid-table form and yeah. that's where they deserve to be at the minute. If you'd, have told, if you'd have said at the start of the season, Newcastle, Southampton and Burnley were on the same points as Arsenal in February, <laughs> your mind would have been absolutely blown <laughs> in trying to work out exactly how that had worked. Whether Arsenal had had 15 games called off for some kind of <laughs> crisis yeah. or, or how, it, how it would possibly have worked. Are those three challenging for the Champions League? And, and they're all just mid-table mediocrity, aren't they? But that, yeah. that is Arsenal's level at the moment. And... Uh, I did like the stat the other day that they've now drawn more games this season than they drew in the Invincibles campaign. So they, they have at least got, got one better than the Invincibles. <laughs> well, you, you really can prove anything with numbers. You can spin numbers any way you want. We might be a bit unsure about what Arteta has done or, or what sort of improvements there have been, but one person connected with the club that isn't unsure is Mesut Ozil. Sam, I'm going to throw this one over to you. Yeah. Ozil's obviously been 
a fairly controversial figure in the last two seasons at Arsenal, maybe even going back a bit further. Um, fans have criticised him for his performances and his, his lack of interest in playing for Arsenal Football Club. He's come out this weekend and said that he's back in love with the club, he's enjoying playing for Arteta, he's giving everything. But as Pete pointed out before, his record of assists, goals, very poor. He's only completed 90 minutes since Arteta came in. We know that fitness and endurance is a big thing for Arteta in his system. Is this just more whitewashing from Ozil, trying to kind of distract away from he's yet again underperforming? Um, yeah, I suppose it depends on how you want to look at it. If it's, if it's yeah, whitewashing and not trying to cover his tracks or whatever, because he obviously did a big interview a few months ago saying, well, I'm not going anywhere. And, you know, certainly before the end of his contract and all this kind of stuff, and I'm happy here and the fans still are on my side and this kind of thing, but nothing changed then. I think Emery was still there then. And yeah, nothing has changed since. Um, it's almost as if, what he says has has no bearing on how on how he plays, and he just doesn't fit into this Arsenal team. To be honest, it seems like he's been given a, a lot of chances, more chances than I probably expected. To be fair, with Arteta coming in, um, but the whole the whole Arteta thing is is very interesting. I think they'll do very well, but they've it hasn't taken off, has it? By all, by any means. Um, but he's you, not you, that you, style you of manager, see, though. No, in in terms of in terms of fireworks, and as you say, in terms of taking off, it was never going to be a. Win six well, games. I don't know. Yeah, I think there was a desert case where you put a bit of structure and a bit of mm. discipline in a team that's got so much quality in it. I mean, look at what happened with Watford. You know, if you just yeah. if you can pick up a team that wasn't happy and tell them what they're supposed to be doing and get the people who score the goals in the right areas, and you you would have thought at Arsenal. I thought at Arsenal they would have would have had more more wins than they have at this point. So it's an interesting one. I mean, I'm not saying it's not working. It's just. I, I would have expected it to be better by now. I think it will work, but it it is very it is very odd. Um, and Özil, even when things were you know relatively good or certainly better than they are now, not always not always a player that's I, I think worthy of that reputation he's got. I know I know a lot of his fans have said in the past because now I think he's a different player. But in the past, he goes, oh, he's done this. You know, he's won the German Player of the Year award so many years in a row and. He's done these, and you know the way he plays these passes and creates these chances. But even so, like even in you know in big games or even smaller games, he wasn't always there. And now, different Özil, different Arsenal, he's having much less of an impact. So it, it's no surprise really that that he's continued to struggle as Arsenal haven't taken off under Arteta. Newcastle mid-table rivals with Arsenal at the minute, uh, based on as Ty said before, Arsenal's ridiculous form uh, in the last couple of months. They've had terrible luck with injury, uh, almost a similar situation to Bournemouth and Eddie Howe's kind of finally starting to get through that but Steve Bruce and Newcastle are not they're missing 10 players for this game just one win in the last seven in the Premier League they had a really positive run just before Christmas I think they lost one out of eight or nine but now they're in potential for slipping down if they lose this game and then things start going against them in the next few weeks can you see them getting sucked into the bottom three? Yeah, especially with the injuries they've got and they've got the frontline striker who they put all their eggs in one basket all the money they had spent on this uh, amazing new number nine who is going to bag all the goals and he's got one league goal all season. Yeah. So with with Joel Linton struggling for, for goals so much, that's that's huge when you've got no alternatives because of their injuries. But if you said at the start of the season to um, Newcastle fans that you'd be level on points with Arsenal at this stage of the season, I think you'd be pretty happy. So all it takes is a few wins um, and the way things are going at Arsenal at the moment, you it wouldn't be the biggest shock in the world if they got something at the Emirates. Okay, well, that in mind, Ty, uh, predictions? 
I think this is Arteta's second win and Arsenal's much-cherished seventh Premier League win of the season. Oh, very good. Sam, we won't go to you last. We'll go to you in the middle. Oh, OK. Yeah, I'm thinking Arsenal again, but it could, I could easily be wrong about Villa and wrong about this one. Spurs, Spurs <laughs> could win and Newcastle get something. But I'm, I am going to go with Arsenal. I'm not entirely sure why. Newcastle probably deserve a bit better than that, but I'm going to go with Arsenal just about. Peter, you going to stick a spanner in the Arteta Revolution? I think I think they'll. I think they might sneak a draw, like a, a late. It'd be a late Joel Linton header. <laughs> and he pulls off his shirt. He He's got your shirt. face shaved yeah, yeah. into his chest. There. <laughs> okay. Well, well, I think we can all look forward to that. Um, one game that I very much doubt Norwich City fans are looking forward to this weekend is the visit of the runaway leaders, Liverpool. Liverpool have, for want of a better word, destroyed Norwich. Uh, in recent meetings. Obviously, a lot of this is owing to Luis Suarez and his one-man mission against East Anglia. I don't know what Uruguay and East Anglia have against each other, but he seems to (laughs) take it all very personally. Uh, 29 Premier League goals for Liverpool in their last seven games. Um, They kicked off the season with a 4-1 win against them at Anfield. And, you know, a lot of people, particularly Liverpool fans, will hark back to that and go, that was when I knew, that was when I knew this this was the time. But in reality... Obviously, fortunes are wildly contrasted. Top against bottom, this is this is absolute shooting fish in a barrel tie. You'd have thought so, yeah. I mean, I can't imagine there's been a bigger points difference at this stage of the season between top and bottom either. It'd be. Absolutely- it's almost like when they played Huddersfield last year, and you just thought, just just call it off. Yeah, it would be. Even though it's at Camera Road, it would be astonishing if Liverpool didn't win. And I mentioned Norwich before with Villa. They're they're, they're good to watch. They play nice football. They stick to their principles. Fantastic, but they're going to go down doing it. Um, and and that's as simple as that. And I, they just have they'll have no answer for Liverpool, will they? No, I don't think so. Pete, obviously Liverpool have had winter break. The majority of the players have been away. There's been a lot on social media about what they've been getting up to or not getting up to. An example mm. of Salah, he seems to just stay in the gym, or yeah. Milner who stayed and watched the kids in the FA Cup. Manny's back in the team. They're back to full strength. <laughs> There's not really any sort of chink in their armour. And now they've got two weeks worth of rest in their legs. This game, you'll expect them to just roll through it and then that Atletico Madrid game in the Champions League. The the, the, the only potential chance that Norwich have is that um, that break, may have they may have lost some form of momentum or that tie with Atletico Madrid is, is looming. Um, Klopp might rest, you know, Several players. Um, no, no, I'm trying to. I'm really, really, really digging. <laughs> You're doing deep your best there. Clutches at straws. But I'm no. enjoying it. I'm enjoying it. It's uh, no. It's, it's it's a matter of one of those games. It's a matter of how many. Yeah, it's just one of those where it's like, oh well, it's football. Anything can happen. Yeah, that would yeah. literally be the only logic to this game. Yeah, yeah. You could break it down and say, if if Norwich were to win, you could break it down and say, oh well, it's called this goal from a corner, or mm. Fabinho slipped here and gave the ball away, or whatever. You could break it down, but why those reasons would happen would just be because football's mad but yeah. I just I, what, I mean, what, what must the odds be I don't know I at least with it being at Carrow Road there's a you know yeah. there's there's some mitigating chance for Norwich but the, yeah. the, like, the fact that geography's on their side it says <laughs> it everything well I can tell you they're 10 to 1 to win at home which is which is absolutely insane mm-hmm. one thing that could be playing on Jurgen Klopp's mind Pete I'll go to you on this one is the situation with Mo Salah and potentially being called up for Olympic duty with Egypt this summer. Now mm. that would obviously impinge on Liverpool's uh, pre-season because it will be after the European Championships when their European-based players would be away on holiday and then mm. coming back in. Um, he's very annoyed about this because Egypt have been quite ambiguous saying that they might consider calling him up, they might not. Obviously he would fall into that overage category where they can take three players. Yeah. This is this is you get the sense this is something that's going to roll and roll and roll and Klopp's kind of hinted that well we had a bit of a deal here 
we'll release them for competitive games, don't play them in friendlies, and you know, we'll all we'll all kind of stay friends. Mm. I think he thinks he's had the rug pulled under him here. Yeah, it's a little, it's a little bit sneaky. And like you say, if they'd have been clear, then I think Klopp wouldn't be so angry. But if I'm Jurgen Klopp, I wouldn't worry too much if you just look at what Sadio Mane's done this season on the back of getting to the final of the African Cup of Nations after, I think, five-day break after the Champions League final, went off to the African Cup of Nations, got to the final of that, had 12 days off and then began the Premier League season. These guys are, are superhuman fitness machines, so I... Uh, I, I wouldn't worry too much. Obviously, there's the, the risk of injury. Obviously, you'd rather have him if you if if you could for pre-season. Um, but I, it's not the end of the world. I, I wouldn't think, as, as contrary to what Jurgen Klopp might tell you. Now, despite Pete's case for for Norwich and their merits for maybe getting the result of the decade <laughs> off uh, Liverpool this weekend, I'm assuming going clean sweep on, yeah. on three wins. Yep. Yeah, magic. One huge piece of news that's broken overnight regarding Manchester City. Sam, I'm going to come to you on this. Manchester City have been banned from the Champions League for the next two seasons by UEFA. They've been hit by a €30 million fine and the wording of the statement is fascinating. Manchester City are found to have seriously misled Europe's governing body and broken financial fair play rules in their conduct in recent seasons. Now, Fans will be reading this and be fairly shocked, despite the fact that we know this is an ongoing investigation into City. City, as you would have expected, have reacted. They've released a, an official club statement and they're not messing around either. They've indicated that they intend to appeal. And there's a very, very interesting bit in their statement. I'm just going to read this before I come to you, Sam. Simply put, this is a case initiated by UEFA, prosecuted by UEFA and judged by UEFA. With this prejudicial process now over, the club will pursue an impartial judgment as quickly as possible and will therefore commence proceedings with the Court of Arbitration for Sport. Now, Sam, you're in for a busy few days, I'd imagine, on the back of this. Mm. What's your immediate reaction to, and obviously, the ban and City's comments? I was shocked by the ban, stunned by it. Um, people listening to this may or may not know that we did a story saying that they weren't going to get banned from the Champions League. So, not a great place to be at. But, I mean, that that wasn't a story that was made up or done badly. You know, I'd, I've had a conversation with my boss on the phone before we had this chat, and what can you do? It was, you know, well-sourced from three or four different people and on different sides of it. So, the interesting thing is, it was definitely during December. It was definitely not going to get a ban. There's been some kind of change. The other part of it is City... Part of it, from City's point of view, was they never thought they'd get a ban in the first place. But if they did, they thought, well, we'll take it to Cass and appeal. And as they put that statement out straight away, um, it's pretty obvious that they are going to appeal. By the time people are listening to this, the, the, you know, those papers might have gone in with Cass already. All, all they might need is the finishing touches on, you know, the dates, basically. Because City, for the last year, have been looking at what other clubs are doing, how they're doing it, where they're getting their money off from, um, who they're spending money on, um, how they're spending it, how they're paying for it. They've been looking at UEFA um, procedures, how they've acted with other clubs, because a lot of the stuff at CAS is about being fair. And if you ban, if you don't ban one club, how can you ban another club? Or if you do ban a club for two seasons, how can you ban us for three? And also all this kind of thing. So they will throw everything at it. And for a year, in case it has come to it, well, over a year, they have been collecting a trove of basically anything they can throw back at UEFA. Um, yeah, I mean, as you can tell from the wording of the statement, they don't believe it's been done fairly. 
I think there's, there's again, one of the things they might be able to cling to is the fact that UEFA seem weirdly lenient with PSG over the same kind of thing. Mm. The chief investigator, who's the same investigator here, they had, UEFA had um, like an impartial, independent body value PSG sponsorships and what they were worth. Um, but basically the investigator went with what he felt himself personally PSGs were worth and it was more like what PSG was saying rather than what the independent investigator was saying and another person at UEFA once they'd seen this and they determined that PSG wouldn't get fined another key figure at UEFA was like what's all this about and they tried to appeal it at CAS but it wasn't lodged within 10 days because it takes longer to do that so PSG said well it wasn't within 10 days which is procedure so you got it thrown out so City will have a lot of different things to throw at it so I don't think they were expecting it at all but they were always working on the basis that if they did get a ban, they would know exactly how they would go about overturning it. And as far as I know, they've always thought they would overturn it, but they didn't think they were going to get banned in the first place, and now they have, so we'll have to see how it goes. And it could take a long time. Now, people are saying now, will this ban start next year, but if they appeal it at CAS, will it get delayed? You, mm-hmm. can't, you can see them being allowed to play in the Champions League next year until the CAS hearing is resolved. How long will that take? It could take a year. Like this, this investigation has taken a year. I wouldn't be surprised if it took a year. I'm, I've I've spoken to a few experts about cast hearings. I'm certainly no expert. I couldn't tell you how long the average one lasts. I'd be surprised if it was resolved, resolved by the start of yeah, the next Champions really. League. I think it's so complex. There's so much to it, and it it is just it's just it's UEFA making an example of City. But I don't think any of us, and you can tell by the surprise in Sam's tone, oh. it's just just no one could have foreseen that it was going to be two years. And we we were talking about this earlier, and the fact that if if it is overturned, it can't surely can't be overturned to just nothing, just wipe it off. I mean, even a successful appeal is just reducing it to a year, isn't it? I mean, and there's there's so much more to it. It's absolutely absolutely incredible, like flabbergasting. It. I mean, it's just looking aside from the, the city aspect for a moment. It is a watershed moment for European football. This isn't it. Whichever way this goes, yeah. if this ban gets upheld, then suddenly financial fair play is is very real, and the punishments are very severe. And it changes what every club in Europe is doing. If the ban gets overthrown, if, if City is successful in their appeal, the ban is completely wiped out, no punishment, then financial fair play is dead. So for UEFA and for European football and European club football, this is a watershed moment. For City, I mean, the, the implications are, you know, we're still thinking through the implications. Yeah. You think of a new one constantly. And like Sam said, whether it's done whether they they expedite this this process, Cass, and get it done quickly. I mean, it's difficult to see given the amount of evidence. If it's delayed and City can play in the Champions League next year, but don't know about the year after. Mm. I mean, the, the knock-on effects for the club, given Guardiola's contract expires at the end of next season, given at 2022 there's going to be contracts expiring. I mean, City have got a lot of players tied up for long-term deals, but are players like Raheem, say they want to speak to Sterling at some point next season, start next season, they don't know what the situation is. Players aren't going to want to commit to signing new deals, not knowing if the club are facing a one-year ban, a two-year ban, no ban. It, it makes forward planning for, for transfers and things like Guardiola's contract, potential Guardiola replacements, very difficult to do at, at the moment. And even if even if we get a cast appeal and you have to say, right, you can play next year, it still makes it difficult to do for the following year. It's going to have a knock-on effect in how City do their, their business. 
We'll be discussing the twists and turns in this story all next week. You can listen to the Football Social Daily Premier League update every single day. Simply hit subscribe on this episode and you will not miss a thing as this story continues to develop. And we'll also have the latest on the other 19 teams in the Premier League via our flash briefings. Simply ask your Alexa device to enable Sports Social, follow the instructions and pick your favourite side. Guys, thank you so much. That's all we've got time for here on the Football Social Daily. Premier League preview show and thanks to you guys for listening feel free to leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts we love to hear what you think about the show and if you're lucky you might just get yourself a shout out Football Social Daily with German gourmet doner kebabs made with our signature sauces With lucky landslots you can get lucky just about anywhere Dearly beloved we are gathered here today to Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions. Supply.